to Jeff Davidson, Breathing Space Institute, breathingspace.com. We're so happy to have you here today to talk about interruption management. What is this topic about and why do we need to listen? Interruption management is the solution to many of the problems plaguing career professionals today. For many years on my website and in my speech offerings, I presented a program called Managing Information and Communication Overload, which proved to be quite popular. However, when you analyze what, what uh, information and communication overload represents to the typical career professional, that is really, in many respects, a description of the problem, information and communication overload. The solution is interruption management. Interruption management, for which I am applying for the registered trademark, means that all information and communication that comes your way, whether it's electronic, whether it's a person knocking at your office door, whatever it happens to be, you maintain a sense of control during the workday, throughout the week, your month, your year, and your career. In this session in particular, we're going to talk about the importance of focus because to the degree that you can stay focused, you naturally and easily tend to keep interruptions at bay. Most interruptions today, people don't realize, are far more debilitating to the typical career professional than ever before. Studies have shown that on average, in a busy work environment, if you're sitting down, because I don't want to dispense this to you if you're not, the typical career professional is interrupted every 11 minutes. In other words, taken off the path that he or she was on in some manner whether it's a fleeting interruption of seconds or something major, every 11 minutes. Mm. That in itself is not so bad until you realize that the typical return time to the task at hand prior to being interrupted is 25 minutes. Now, when I tell audiences this, sometimes they're gassy. Well, how could it be 25 minutes? You're interrupted every 11 minutes. Okay, we can buy that. But how can it take 25 minutes to get back to what you were doing? And when we walk it through, everybody easily sees that that is the case because what happens is you get an interrupted, you get interrupted, large or small, and you address that issue or you turn to something on the path to whatever it is you are now turning to Another thing comes up, another, another, another. By and by, in some instances, 25 minutes would be a quick return to what you were <laughs> first doing. I have been working on word processing files in the morning in my home office and been interrupted by something and gone on to something else, something else, something else, something else, and found sometimes at the close of the day when I'm turning off all of my programs, when I'm shutting down all the software, lo and behold, there is the file from the morning that I was first working on. It's been sitting there all day. I didn't get back to it that entire day. Yeah. That's not so uncommon either. Studies show that 
while we get interrupted every 11 minutes and the typical time to return to the original task at hand was 25 minutes, one quarter of the time we don't get back to that task, that original task, that same day. Ouch. Yeah. Now, it's not to say whatever else came along wasn't important and maybe it was more important. But just the fact that sometimes it takes us an entire day to get back to where we were originally working tells us that the more we're able to safeguard our environment, the more we're able to maintain focus, the more we're able to engage in what I call interruption management, the more easily our day will flow, the more we'll feel in command, and ultimately the more productive we will be. So what are the things we can do to maintain this focus? Well, the first is what I call get into the space. Get into the space that it takes to do the job before you. Do you remember when you were in college, and I don't advocate this, but many students still do this to this day, they pull what's called an overnighter, <laughs> all right? <clears throat> They haven't studied like they should have. The test is coming, and they're going to pull an all-nighter. Overnight, they're going to study around the clock. They're going to go into the test room, little or no sleep. They're just going to unload everything they learned over this long night, and that's going to be it. Well, long-term studies show that they retain very little. It's not yeah. a very productive way to proceed. However, in the short term, it may have its benefits. You may yeah, do cram on your short-term memory and sure. you regurgitate. That's right. Now, when you study a week in advance and then a little each day leading up to the exam, you waltz into that exam room day of, do a great job, waltz out, you retain much more of what you studied and you fare far better in that topic. But the point is the all-nighter or overnighter forces the college student to focus in ways that they simply don't focus otherwise. What if you apply the positive elements of that kind of focus to your daily tasks? In other words, you proceed in a manner that says, I've got to get this done. The test is coming the next day. There is no alternative. I need to be here now focusing on this issue. <coughs> So when you can get into that space, when you recognize how vital the issue is, how important it is for you to stay focused, to switch off the buzzers and bells and alerts and all the things that can compete for your attention, you're far further along the trail. Now, some supporting techniques. You want to, what I, you want to harness the power of deadlines what I call harness the power of deadlines. That student who has that test the next day and decides to spend the whole night focusing on that test, cramming, if you will, is harnessing the power of deadlines, not in the most effective manner, but in, in a manner that will presumably offer some short-term benefits. When you have a deadline, a legitimate deadline, and when you approach that deadline in a professional way, 
you actually increase your power of focus and potentially reduce your tolerance for interruptions. Let me give you some examples. I know writers who have been trying to write the great American novel for years or have been trying to get out a magazine article or trying to do something that's elective in nature and time passes and they're not that far along. I know others who have a contract with a book publisher or with a magazine publisher and have been contracted to deliver and have been contracted to deliver so many words on such a on such and such a date on this topic. Well, who do you think ends up generating more relevant words on a more timely basis? <laughs> the latter. The people who are on a deadline. So we, we shun deadlines, we, 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 we dread them, we prefer not to have them, but the reality, since the beginning of time, in culture after culture, profession after profession, day after day, the reality is that deadlines actually serve as an incentive, positive or negative, towards our greater productivity. And we know in everyday life, when somebody is counting on you to do something, you have a much higher propensity to do it than to not. Your kids are counting on you to get there by 3 o'clock to pick them up so they can get to soccer practice. You don't get there at 3, they're late, they're annoyed with you, they're late for practice, and so you tend to get there at 3. Likewise, in the workplace, when you have a deadline or somebody's counting on you, and it doesn't have to be a formal deadline, it doesn't have to be your boss, could be your team, could be a coworker, could be administrative aide, could be someone to whom you simply made a promise. You have a higher propensity of getting stuff done, staying on focus, and not tolerating the level of interruptions that you will tolerate when you can just proceed along namby-pamby, airy-fairy, devil-may-care, because nobody's counting on this. <laughs> so look for opportunities to have others count on you. When you mean business, find somebody else who can benefit from what you have to offer. So we should embrace those deadlines? We actually should. And these don't need to be big, bad owners types of uh, events. It can be a joyous deadline. Uh -huh. Who's to say that when you finish this, you can't whoop it up, you can't party? <laughs> That's right. So we should look for deadlines and incorporate them in a way that works for us all the time. We also want to bargain with ourselves. And what I mean by that is, suppose, deadline or not, I have to get this stuff done, I have to get it out the door eventually, I need to do a good job, or I want to do it, or it represents an opportunity for me, but you know, I've got all these emails coming in, there's phone calls I could make, and there's other stuff I could be doing. Well, when you bargain with yourself, you engage in a time-tested technique that works. It's worked across cultures. Essentially, you're saying to yourself, if I do A, B, C, if I get this done by 2 o'clock, then I will allow myself to X. do whatever <laughs> it is that represents a reward. 
Some people call this the grandma principle. You don't get to eat your ice cream until you finish your spinach. But knowing that the ice cream is at the end of the trail helps you to finish your spinach. Likewise in the workplace, likewise when it comes to minimizing interruptions, staying more focused, when you've marked out in advance what it is you need to do, and this is just a silent self-endeavor, I finish this by 2 o'clock, I then get this reward. You dramatically increase the probability of your not only completing what you said you would do, but feeling good about it, keeping interruptions at bay, and setting up a situation where you can be more focused for the next task and the next as you create other bargains for yourself. Now, personally, I use a timer at my desk on occasion hmm. because Sometimes the bargain that I have with myself is this. I set the timer for 25 minutes. And I say to myself, okay, I'm going to give this my all. It's not a pleasant task. I don't want to do it, but I know that I have to. I'm setting the timer for 25 minutes. For 25 minutes, I'm going to give it my all. Mm -hmm. I'm not checking email. I'm not tolerating interruptions. I'm staying focused. When that beeper goes off, fine. I did what I said I would do. Let me see how far I can get. And you know what happens? More often than not, you complete the whole darn thing. Or you get so far into it that after the 25-minute buzzer or bell or beeper sounds, you don't want to stop because you're making such good progress. That's a bargain. That's a bargain. <laughs> and... You can still take your reward or you can up your reward and say, okay, well, if I go another 25, I'm going to double my reward. And sometimes you don't even need the reward. Sometimes your productivity is the payoff. You got so much done, you feel so good about yourself. You don't need to have that granola bar. You've got your reward. But so, the bargain is, a whether it's a bargain or you're tricking yourself into it, you're saying it works. It absolutely works. Now, many listeners will say, 25 minutes? Okay, so start at 15, start at 10. You can take your smartphone today, and almost all of them have applications for a timer, reverse timer that counts from 10 minutes down to nothing or from nothing up to 10 minutes, or you can go into any... Uh, you know, department store, you can buy a kitchen timer. These, these are available every place. You can take your alarm clock and turn that into a timer just by changing the alarm setting and so forth. You can go on the, on the, uh, the web and just find a site that says timer and, and you'll have one just beep for you on time. I mean, this is a piece of cake. The important notion is, will you create this bargain with yourself that says, I'm going to give myself this uninterrupted stretch. In this world of over-communication and all the ways that I can be interrupted, am I going to give myself this stretch? Because I know the value I bring when I work uninterrupted. I know what I can do when I stay focused. And there are some career professionals out there, and you may be one of them right now, who knows that if you give yourself a 10, a 15, or a 25-minute stretch, or an hour if you can do it, the world will change. You can create such great things mm. in an uninterrupted stretch. It isn't even funny. You can amaze people 
But too often we let ourselves get diluted by all that competes for our attention. That's the truth. So, bargain with yourself, another tool. Related to bargaining with yourself is to simply make small promises. Make small promises that you know you can keep. <laughs> Do we have to keep those in our head or should we be writing those down? Either way. Okay. Small promise might be at the end of 10 minutes, I get to make one phone call and then I go right back to where I was doing or I get to check email or I get to take a walk around the floor. Small promise. It's not much of a reward. It's a break. Or if I do X at the end of the day, I get to do this or I get to spend that or I get to be with so-and-so. So it doesn't necessarily have to be at the end of the session with a buzzer or bell that rings, but it's a small promise that you know you can make. Or it doesn't even necessarily have to have something attached to it. It's just a promise. I'm a career professional. I am certified. I've been in this post for eight years. I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to give this the 18 minutes I have before lunch my full diligence small promise i know i can keep it gonna eat lunch every day anyways but for these next 18 minutes i'm sticking to this once again you may amaze yourself finally in this first section of what i call um, getting into the space is to start with the end in mind and this is another tried and true technique, tested worldwide in every culture throughout mm -hmm. time, that if you focus on the ends, if you know, for example, something is due in three days and you back into it and say, okay, by the end of day two, I have to be here. By the end of day one, I have to be here. By the end of this morning, I have to be here. In the first hour, I have to be there then you increase the probability you'll stay focused, you increase the probability you won't tolerate interruptions, you increase the probability that you'll get to that final deadline on time. And there's software to support you in this. You can simply print out a calendar, you can print out a daily sheet, you can uh, hand sketch it, you go online and fill out a uh, form, on your palm top, on your mobile device, there are, device, there are uh, programs that can help you do this where you start with the end in, in mind and back into what you need to do by when. All this is very, very reinforcing. Okay, now, factors to increase focus by drawing on the powers of the mind. Second half of the program, if you will. When you visualize the completed project, this doesn't require any scheduling, doesn't require any promises, doesn't require anything other than sitting there, closing your eyes, visualizing the completed project. What does it look like? It might be a report. It's already bound. It's ready. It's sitting on your desk. What does it feel like? You hand it to your boss. You hand it to the committee. You hand it to whomever will be receiving it. What does it smell like, if you will? What, how does it feel, the touch of it? You engage all the, sensory, all the senses. That's yeah, right. All the sensory uh, you can, perceptions. You can skip of, what it tastes like, but well, the other four. Depending on your profession. Depending on your profession. 
So when you visualize the final product, the completion of the project, whatever it happens to be, you visualize that ending, that helps to increase your progress towards completion. Mm. Helps to maintain focus, helps you to stave off interruptions because you've got a firm grasp of what the end looks like and feels like. A lot of people don't go to the end. They don't visualize. They're working, they're working, they're working, but they don't have this sense of what the final outcome is going to be and what it's going to feel like. And they're missing out because it's so rewarding and it's so invigorating. In my case as an author, when I can visualize that book or that article as an actual finished printed product, or I'm going to go give a speech and I visualize 500 people in the seats clapping and laughing and being glad they're there, that's an end product. That's an end result, which any speaker can envision. In any other profession, if you create the proverbial widget, if you provide a service and you, you, you can envision this satisfied customer, this smiling, happy person across the counter from you or across the desk from you, many, many ways in every profession that we can visualize and put this tool in our arsenal. And I've heard people say, I saw the light come on in their eyes. I saw someone take to the information or the training or the encouragement. That's an outcome. That's something you can visualize. That's right. Closely related to that is experience the feeling. Mm. What, what will the customer feel like? What will the end user feel like? What will your spouse feel like? What will your boss feel like? What will your coworkers feel like when you come in with that vital report that they've been so desperately wanting to review or that product or that service or that new idea, that concept, that breakthrough, whatever it is. How is the person who comes into your business and rewards you with revenue as a result of your product and service, how do they feel because of what you've done? When you can experience the feeling of the recipient Another variation on a theme of visualization and using your mind to focus, to stave off interruptions. And believe me, this one is powerful, especially uh, suppose you're a politician, suppose you're a leader, suppose you're the head of a company, suppose you've got any kind of following. You visualize how your followers will rally and support this effort, this cause and becomes a self-fulfilling, victorious spiral, if you will. You've heard of a vicious circle, this becomes a victorious circle. Like up that, and up and up I and like up. that better. So it's, you are really giving us permission to use our imagination in this way, and you're saying it's basically scientifically productive for us to do this. Is it that right? is, it is, it is, it is. Third on this path, meditation, pure meditation. Mm. In this case, as meditators know, your focus is ideally to be on nothing. You're not visualizing, you're not, you're not getting into the space, you're not experiencing the feeling of the end recipient. In meditation, you're trying to clear your mind. Be here now. And at the end of your meditation, because you've cleared your mind, you now have a greater chance of focusing on the task at hand. 
because so much of that mental chatter that goes on all day long has died down as a result of your meditation. Meditation is not necessarily for everybody, but those who engage in it really, really enjoy it and find that it works. And studies of late show that meditation has a cumulative effect, that if you meditate for as little as five or eight minutes a day, after several days, you'll find it easier to get into a meditative trance and you'll find that you stay focused uh, for longer and longer bouts after the meditation. And that if you've been meditating for weeks or months, that the cumulative effect actually is calming, C-A-L-M, calming to you as a person and that you're more focused and more directed, you stay balanced, it's just got a variety of benefits. It actually lowers your blood pressure. Regardless of religion? I mean, I mean, it could be associated with it, it could not. But you're saying meditation in general to clear your mind of all the massive distractions really helps. Yes. Now, breaks throughout the day, mental breaks, physical breaks. Again, this isn't anything you have to plan for. You don't have to schedule them. But human physiology being what it is, we instinctively know when we need to get up from the chair. We instinctively know when we need to turn away for a moment. Sometimes we go past the time that we should have gotten up and stretched. Oh, yeah. And we're actually doing a disservice to ourselves. We need to respect these internal mental cues, if you will. They're there for a reason. You know, they say when you, when you fly in a plane, you should stretch your legs every 20 minutes. It's not always mm -hmm. so convenient, but it's good for circulation. Otherwise, you know, you have a propensity, and uh, some people do, for blood clots and, and other things that you don't want. But the same phenomenon occurs when we are at our workspace. Roughly every 20 minutes, we need to at least stand up. Roughly every 20 minutes, we need to change our position or flex muscles in our legs, do a stretch, yawn, get water, do something. When we go past this time, uh, science is also telling us that sitting in and of itself for too long, too often, too many days is now harmful. Hmm. It's actually more harmful to our health than people ever suspected. Continual sitting. Depending on where you work and who you report to and uh, what your job description says, you may be in a situation where you have to sit for prolonged periods. Still, there are things you can do in terms of flexing your legs, sticking them out you know, long, flexing muscles when nobody's looking, isometric exercises, pressing against the floor, pressing against the side of the desk, side of the wall, and so forth. So we have options wherever we are. The overriding point is we pay attention to these mental cues when they come up. Our brain sends us a message. It's time to stretch. It's time to move. It's time to do something. Honor that. All right, moving on. Allow the Eureka effect to take hold. What, what's this? <laughs> okay, you ever been in the shower before work and you get all these great ideas mm -hmm. and you weren't even working on it? You weren't trying and they no. just came forth. Yeah, right. at, at odd times. Odd times. Also known as the Eureka effect. We get answers when we're not trying. We get answers when we're freed up to creatively have ideas flow. 
This is our mind at work. It's doing good for us. But the question is, do we capture those ideas? Do you have pen and paper by your shower? Do you have pen no. and paper by your bedstand? Do you have pen and paper yes. or a recorder <laughs> or your smartphone with a recording device in the places and spaces that you traverse so that when ideas come to you, they would help you to stay more focused, more productive? Are you able to harness them? Sadly, for most people, the answer is no. They lose them and then they're gone. So we want to set up our environment that supports us such that when we have a great idea, we don't lose it. All right? So taking all together, these ways of tapping our, our mental capacities, visualization, experiencing the feeling, particularly for the end users, meditation, honoring the times in which we tell ourselves to take a break and capturing these great thoughts we make <laughs> and capturing these great thoughts which may come at random moments adds up to greater productivity, increased focus. And if you combine the first half of what we discussed, in other words, harnessing the power of deadlines, bargaining with yourself, making small promises, starting with the end in mind, employing the grandma principle, giving yourself periodic rewards. You can't help but be more focused throughout the day, day after day. The more focused you are, the greater the chance you will be able to stave off the interruptions that invariably knock on the doors of each of us. It is possible to be highly productive day after day in this society. I don't care what they throw at you. You've got it within you. You can do it. That's excellent. It's so important for us to apply these, uh, these principles. Thank you so much, Jeff Davidson, for coming in. Breathing Space Institute, breathingspace.com. Get more information there. But before you do, make sure you apply some of these principles as I will start processing and doing today. Again, thank you, Jeff.